G'day, welcome to another Green and Gold Rugby podcast with Matt Rowley. We are sponsored by strike.com.au. Get yourself a cradle for your phone to put in your car with Strike. Use the Green and Gold Rugby safe word, get yourself a discount. Um, There's so much to talk about. We thought, you know, why let famous international coaches and players and things get in the way? Um, we're going to have a good old wang tonight. I've got um, some regular wangers, and then we're going to get some dialing wangers as well. Regular wanger number one, Mr. Timms, how are you, mate? Oh, you know, I'm not too bad. Doing yeah. well? Yeah. I mean, you know, as well as can be expected, I think. I mean, uh, my other regular wanger that I've got joining tonight, Hugh Cavill, mate, I think we were just talking off air. It's not easy to be up in these times, is it? No, it's not, is it? It's it's a bit down, and and look, I'm I'm glad we've just dis, we've dispensed with the regular international celebrity rugby players and rugby coaches because look what they've done to the Wallabies, you know, <laughs> international coaches, international players, and I got to say they're not doing a stellar job at the moment. So let's let's give some other blokes a crack, I reckon. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that. The guy who has topped the player rankings, I think, in every game since he's he's, he's had a start, Scott Fardy. Um, and yeah, doesn't well, he deserve look, I, it too? Legend, smashing well, it, love him. He's a good, he's a good bloke. I think he's uh, he seems to be a fan favorite at the moment. People go. It's mm. interesting the ones that we decide to embrace on the site. I don't think he was the best player last week. Mm-hmm. I, I just, uh, I just want to say, but it seems he plays a style of game, and we <laughs> want to get into it that he doesn't make many mistakes and he doesn't stick out, and he kind of just does the hard yards, and, and um, mm. that seems to be enough at the moment. Yeah, I think. It, no, no. It, 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 all I want to know is. How high would he rank if he grew that beard back? Because <laughs> yeah, that, that's. that's the... I think I think he could he could potentially you know fly kick the referee in the head, be red carded, walk <laughs> off. I think he still had that beard. He'd be top five. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Absolutely, it's uh, it's it's impressive. I mean, the beard, not lack of beard. It's just I don't know who it is. I remember seeing him in a press conference. I did, it took me a while to figure out who it was that was there talking. We've got well, he's luck. gone now. You know, he's got the new job. He's got the promotion now. Mm-hmm. He's you know. He, He's a shadow of his former self. He's got, a, he's got an image to look after. Um, well, you know, trying to. I've got. Uh, I've cracked a beer tonight. I've got the uh, Vale IPA um, that I'm kind of getting my way through tonight. It's got a bit more substance to it. I think I kind of need it as a crutch um, to get through. Um, if it's not the Wallabies losing, it's me getting absolutely pasted for my player ratings. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but let's talk about the game. Um, what do you take away from that? I think. Timsy, was it you saying before we started? You actually thought, you know, you know, uh, wasn't as bad. I'm a, I'm a man of positives. That's yeah. what I do. And uh, other than the two tries we let in really quickly, mm. uh, that that yeah, few, it was only it was they scored a try, then one from the restart. We pretty much held our own. So you know, mm. the, it, it's coming. We just need to score a few more points ourselves. Mm. Well, that that would be good. Um, alrighty, and uh, at least we kept the one try average going. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't want to break that. No, no, no. Um, Hugh, what do you reckon, mate? Where are we? How are we travelling? Is it getting better or worse, or do we even know? I don't know. I, I, it's it's a hard one. Look, I agree with Timsy to a point. I think there was some certainly some positive signs, mm. and I think that was a much better performance than the one we put forward in Brisbane. Mm. So in that sense, that we, you know, we're, we're putting one foot in front of the other. And and look, there were some you know nice little moments in the game. You know, little periods of one or two minutes where we seem to click and, and get a get some really quite nice attack going. But, Jesus, just as always, can't score tries, can't put it together, making stupid mistakes. It's just, you know, it, it wasn't bad. But I, I hate myself that I've got to a point where a, what it, whatever it was, 26-8 loss is considered not bad. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty bad, isn't it? Um, all right, look, let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff in the game. We, in some of the call-in guys we've got, uh, I think we're going to talk about the fundamentals a little bit more and what's happening with the Wallabies and coaching and da-da-da-da. Um, so let's leave that for that. Probably think one of the things that stuck out in this game was the um, dickhead French ref. 
I was going to say, I thought you were going to say the yellow card stuck out because they never got put away, did they? Yeah, exactly. Um, four yellow cards. Um, he was, I don't, you know, do you love him or hate him? I mean, when you ask the guy, you ask the TMO to give you a ruling on something and then you tell him to shut up halfway through him giving you his ruling because um, you've decided you've seen it on the big screen and that's enough. Um, he certainly had a bit of flair about him. Shall we talk through the yellow cards? Um, probably, like, you know, I guess the one that was a bit of a no-brainer was the Flip van der Merve's, um elbow. Um, that was pretty straightforward, wasn't it? Is, is the question maybe should it have been a red? I mean, he's he's got a suspension out of it, hasn't he? Um, well, the, the suspension says it's been cited, it's been mm. to the judiciary, and they've decided that it, it met the threshold for a red card. So... The IRB are saying that it should have been a red. Mm. So th- there's not really much doubt about that. And th- the interesting thing is it's, it's almost identical to the tackle that got uh, the red card. I know it was a yellow upgraded to a red because it was a second for uh, Skidmark last week. Yeah, except that he before, whenever well, it was. Except no, he, he was running with the ball. Yeah, he was running with the ball. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, look, I-, I was watching it in real time and, you know, it looked bad and then you saw it on the slow-mo. And I thought to myself, look, if this have if if this ref has any balls, it'll be a red. Yeah. Um. Sadly, these days the straight red. You know, I can't remember the last time. I think it probably would have been the World Cup semi final with Sam Warburton. Mm. It seems yeah. you know a lifting tackle, you know, yeah. a, a mild lifting tackle is much more likely to get a red these days than than elbowing someone in the head. I mean, what, know, what, what else could he have done apart from you know take a concealed weapon out of his shorts um, to yeah. get a red? I mean, the guy was running well, look, at him, and he elbowed him in the it, face. I mean, what 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 are you got to do? Put it this way: I think if it was Stu Dickinson refing, it would have been red. Yeah. Um, I think he is a certain style of ref we don't see anymore. One with sort of quite real courage in their convictions, and um, mm. you know, he had his moments, Stu, obviously. But I think at the moment, the refs are, are far too worried to affect the uh, you know the flow of a game by red carding someone, mm. and that they take the soft option and give a yellow. It's hard to believe that in the grand scheme of things that is an equally punishable offence to what Michael Hooper did, which was just be in the wrong place at the wrong time, essentially. Well, yeah, so let's get to that one then. Okay, so um, Michael Hooper goes for a low tackle. Uh, what's his name? Um, the guy... Um, Etzebeth. Etzebeth, sorry. I was, I was looking for the, his, his lookalike. You know who I mean. Um, not what Bruno. You know Bruno, um, the, the movie? Yeah, the, 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 Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, the, the, he's, guy. it's a dead spit. But anyway, um, <laughs> so Etzebeth basically jumps into the air as um, Hooper's going for a low tackle. Uh, th- therefore, Hooper can't get really get his arms around him. Uh, Hooper kind of doesn't know what's going on, stands up. Etzebeth, you know, goes ab- above the vertical um, as he falls to the ground. Ref, is, was this another one where he called for the replay? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, he called for the replay because he wanted to see what happened in the aftermath. That's right. Okay, um, but it's, so it sounded like he'd already made his mind with Hooper. It was just whether he was going to do anything else. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so we we don't need to talk about the aftermath because apparently that never happened. Well, I mean, okay. So let's come to that in a second. So first of all, was this attempted tackle a yellow, Timsey? Uh, I don't think so. Mm. Uh. And especially given that he had the opportunity to go upstairs. If he wasn't able to refer the TMO, I could understand why it would have been a yellow without any doubt. Mm-hmm. And, and and why would you be saying it's not... I mean, you know, the guy did go above the vertical, right? So, the guy went... But it wasn't really tackling him. Right. <laughs> so, this actually reminds me of an, of an incident in Super Rugby this year, very similar with Scott Higginbotham and Tom Carter uh, in the Rebels-Waratahs game, where yeah. uh, it was Tom Carter... Yeah, you could, yeah, good I memory. Believe, who, hmm. I can't remember which one. Tom Carter jumped in the air. Or Higgers jumped Higgers jumped in the air to sort of catch a high pass. Yep, yep. Tom Carter came through and basically put in a good low tackle. Yep. But as Higginbotham was in the air, he sort of cartwheeled over and almost landed on his head. Mm. Now, he got a yellow card for that. I think, you know, common sense would suggest that the tackler did nothing wrong there. But these days with safety at a premium, Yep. In those lifting tackles, you can kind ten of mi- uh, you can make a case for ten minutes in the bin as well. Absolutely. So I I wasn't at, particularly annoyed at that, even though mm. you know back in the old days, you know it, it wouldn't it would have been play on. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay. 
So then, while we're standing around and uh, Elizabeth's kind of getting up on the ground, well, it's actually it was, it was almost immediately, wasn't it? I think yeah, it was straight it, away. Yeah, it was the um, the Safa number seven, not low. Uh, what's his name? Albert. Yep, Alberts. Willem Alberts. Literally just grabs hold of Hooper around the neck and throws him, you know, to the ground, you know, kind of head first. The ref looks at that in a replay, and says, fine. Well, and, and he's been vindicated. It was fine because it was never cited, and therefore it's all okay. Well, so, if it's not cited, it just means it's not a red card offence, obviously. No, no, yeah. the, the, the citing commissioner watches the game afterwards and decides um, you know, that uh, he's got a case to answer or not. Mm. But, and uh, clearly there was no case to answer. Yeah, it's perfectly fine from now on, just as long as they're off the ball and it's <laughs> after a dodgy tackle that may or may and not be like, yellow card, you, you can, can drop someone the on the head. And you can attack the neck, you know, but yeah, don't, yeah. grab them by the neck, but just not by the head. I mean, you just yeah, can't so, touch uh, the head off. Just don't take them above vertical. Can you remember yeah. the days when if, like, you know, if if someone punched you, right, and then you retaliated, even in self-defense, kind of just to get, get stop the guy punching you, you would get penalised and the yes. penalty be reversed? Do you remember those days? Yep. And now it's gone to the point where basically you can do whatever you want to the guy who's being penalised or yellow carded, um, and it's okay. I mean, it, it's, it's something that's been, it's kind of been trending that way for a while, hasn't it? It's like, you mm. know, you can always get away with a sly push or a, this, or, or in the case of Yanni Duplessis, a little eye gouge. Um, and, and How that... dare you besmirch the good name of South African rugby by, <laughs> you know, leveling these wild allegations that they're rough, you know, elbows, yeah. this. Look, you know, I, I, I think Peter de Villiers was right all along. Uh, yeah. You know, I think uh, one of put yeah. on some tutus and, yeah. yeah. The other it's, thing, too, yeah. is I think I think we're being a bit harsh here because Yanni is a doctor and he was just doing, a, like, a checkup. A bit of corrective eye surgery. Yeah, yeah, mm. that's right. He's very, very talented. Most likely. Um, all right, so hang on. That's, so that's two of the yellow cards we've got. Um what else did we have? Oh, we had Tamani. Tamani in uh, for possession of a um, dangerous shoulder. Uh, yellow card. I mean, he so he he kind of it's kind of bizarre what he was trying to do. I think he was trying to do some sort of a clear out into a ruck. Um, I think he was kind of coming in from the side anyway. It was it was pretty crazy stuff, uh, but didn't in any way use even put his arms out as if he was using them. It was kind of literally like a league style sort of he almost tripped shoulder charge look. Um, but he he totally missed um, pretty much everybody and just kind of then fell onto I think it might have been Joe Tamani who was kind yeah. of lying on top of the ruck. So he didn't actually hit anybody, um, and he got yellow carded. Is this, I mean, what about that one? So, Timsey? Oh, yeah, well, it's fair enough. He, uh, he eventually hit one of his own players, so right. that, can't, that can't be stood for. No, it was ridiculous. <laughs> what a clown. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, the ref or Tamani? <laughs> Tamani for being in front of him. He should, he yeah. should have known, yeah. <laughs> Tamani was so dumb, wasn't it? You just get a yellow card for stupidity. <laughs> yeah, get off here, you know, I actually, I, I, I'd pay that. I think, yeah, they card for stupidity. I just, um, if you, I had a read of those laws because uh, I had a scuffle with somebody on Twitter saying it was a clear yellow card. Actually, in the laws, it says it's a pen, It says they're probably penalties. Um, and uh, the person I was having a scuffle with said, "Oh no, there's precedent that it's a yellow." Um, I'm trying to think back to that. Remember those times when uh, it was, you know. Uh, our own agony aunt Backies used to love having a little fly in um, and used to get away with it so and they tried to crack down on it a bit uh, but it just seemed crazy I mean he didn't touch anybody except his own player and to get a yellow for that seemed a bit nuts for me um, is it the it, intention I mean the only the only argument argument you could possibly make it was a stupid thing to do going in like that and yeah. perhaps you know it could have I don't know, but there's no consistency. No one else was getting pinged for that. Well, it's, it, it, I read the thing. It's, 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 I think it's 10.4H, and it says um, charging into a ruck. Um, you know, you know, a player sh- must not charge into a ruck, including um, without using their arms, basically, um, and including if they make contact. You know, if, if they make contact. So it's 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 worded in a way that. You know, technically, if you just charge in, and if you even if you miss, if you missed everybody and everything, and actually just kept running past the sideline and into the crowd, you could still get yellowed for it. Um, 
but anyway. And then the other one was uh, the uh, what's his name, the number eight uh, for the Springboks. He did the deliberate slap down. And Vermeulen. Got, yeah, Vermeulen got deliberate slap down, and he got pinged. I don't think there's any arguing with that, was it? Um, Cynical, stupid. Deserve that. Oh. Anyway, so there you go. Um, two deserved Saffir yellow cards, two very questionable ones for the Wallabies. I don't think any listeners would be surprised that we'd come with that verdict. Um, however, did it lose us the game, those yellow cards? How much of an impact do you think they actually had? Um, oh, none, none at all. Yeah, we were stuffed anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Game was decided by the time Hooper went off anyway. Alrighty. I mean, at twenty-three, three or whatever it was, I think that you know, that was, and that was when Hooper got his marching orders. And I think it was pretty. It was after the early damage was done. Okay. Well, let's move on then, because um, this is going to tie in. I asked people to kind of throw in some topics for wanging on tonight um, on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, and as readers of Green and Gold Rugby will know, I ventured to do the player ratings on Sunday morning after I'd sat and watched the game once with my son and then uh, kind of rattled off what my player ratings were. In those ratings, you can go and see them and you can see the 100 comments, 80 of which (laughs) are pretty much pillaring me um, for pretty much one thing, which was that I rated Quade Cooper a 2 out of 10 for that match. Um, And in Green and Gold Rugby's patented player ratings, that means tell your story walking. Um, so, and then basically there was a big argument about whether, whether that was right or wrong. My reasoning for that, and this just comes to this point of what was the turning point of the match. My feeling was that, um, I think we were about 15 minutes into the game and it was three all. And I felt that the place where we lost that game and everyone would just went, oh shit, it's going to be another one of these is the point at which Quade Cooper, who was one-on-one with, um, Strauss, the hooker, instead of trying to put a tackle on Strauss, who was about five metres out, was actually flat-footed waiting for a pass. And if Cooper had just grabbed hold of him, I think, you know, would have been easily kept out. Instead, he went for an intercept. Um, missed the intercept. Strauss catches the ball. There's no one in front of him. He scores a try. And, and, and that, for me, and this is, this is what set the tone for my rating of him as a two, basically, you could, I, you could just feel the Wallabies' shoulders slump. Because here's the thing, right? Wallabies, have, you know, they're averaging for the last two-plus years one try a game. You let in one soft try like that against the box in Cape Town with 15 minutes gone in the game, and you know you're stuffed. And, that, and if you do it in such a soft way, the tone in which you do it even, just says to everybody, oh, shit, it's going to be another one of these. And that's why that, for me, was a massive... Uh, turning point and kind of set the tone for my marks, but I'll pass over. Was I harsh? Did I did I get it wrong? Um, token Queenslander. Tindy. Token Queenslander. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough call. It. I understand exactly the and, and doing the ratings is a is a tough gig mm. because uh, you're looking at all those sorts of things and and. And you may see something that you know sets your mind in that way. I don't know. Was he that bad the whole game? Do you let one incident drag it down? I'm not sure. I mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying, and I, you know, I, it's hard to argue that such a critical point isn't enough to drag him down that far. But uh, I don't know. Maybe a little harsh. Mm. Maybe um, a three. Yeah. Barbara, I know. I know you felt his game was better than that. Yeah, I have to think. I. I... I won't harangue you like you were harangued on the comment section. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'd have to believe my words. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, look, I, I, I think he probably had a five or a six out of ten. Oh, um, get out of here! What, what, uh, maybe, using maybe, maybe. using the look, the patented gagger scale. What's a five or a six? Scale, which I'm looking at right now. I've got to say, and I have I've seen since that I went to look at your ratings. You've written quite a long uh, explanation, which yeah. uh, is. No doubt, good. Um, but I'll have to gloss over it. Average ho hum. Yeah, I think it's a five. It's an average ho hum game. Um, uh, what's a six? Because he had the good and the bad. I think, and yeah. it's a, it, uh, And I think, in the end, yes, you know, the the, the intercept was a clanger. You know, no doubt. Um, debatable. Had he, you know, gone for the tackle on Strauss, well, yes, he probably would have brought him down close to the line. But. Ultimately, you know, do the Springboks still score? Maybe, maybe not. We're in the hypothetical, but you know, putting it all down to him is probably a little bit harsh. Um, 
Look, he, he made a few errors, but I actually think in the um in the second half of the in the latter half of the first half in the second half, we actually saw his attacking game really start to come back, and it's something I hadn't seen for quite a while. Mm. There was a moment in the second half, early in the second half, where he beat a couple of defenders, took the line on, you know, stepped around one, and and I had to pause it and I rewinded it on my recording, and I said I haven't seen Quaid do that for ages. Mm. Actually, take on defense, fix the defense, and step around them and actually almost cut through the line. Mm. And that was what he was doing so well in 2010 and 2011. He, he could make a line break off his own bat. I haven't seen him do that for, for you know, almost, you'd say, since his knee reconstruction. Yeah, you could um, probably say that. You mentioned the uh, poor restarts. I, I can't say I could comment on that. None, I didn't remember any that were particularly terrible. I can't remember any out on the fools or, you know, real clangers. But I, that we, we can always do better at that. There's no doubt. Mm. Um, look, I'm, I'm still a fan of Tamura over Quade Cooper. Don't mm. get me wrong, um, I, but I don't think either is particularly outstanding at the moment. Mm. Um, but um, look, I, I think it's a, it was a hard game to rate, though. There was no real standout. You know, you, you've given Kudrani man of the match. Well, he was okay in the Scott Fardy sense that he didn't do much wrong. Mm. Um, you could have said the same for a few other guys. I thought Ashley Cooper was okay. I thought you were a bit down on Ben Moen. I thought Moen was okay, probably not man of the match country, but mm. you know he, he grinds at, grinds around. Stephen Moore as well, you know, probably was okay. But you, you know, if you were going to give man of the match to anyone in terms of a player that made me sit up and take notice, and this might segue us onto our next conversation, is the performance of Ben McCalman off the bench. Yeah. Now he well he he seemed he uh, I'll give you that. So just before we move on, I mean I, I I've. Um, just about finished because I'm just going through doing bits of analysis. I don't know if it'll add up to much to put on the site tomorrow, um, maybe tomorrow or Friday. Um, and, you know, so I've watched in more detail of what happened with Cooper. Um, the bits, so, I mean, I saw somebody on another site and a bunch of guys then flood into the site saying, hey, actually, he didn't go for an intercept and he was, it was three on one. Um, so we, I, you know, that was just patent rubbish. Um, it wasn't three on one; it was one on one, um, three guys across the line, and he did go for the intercept. So there's a lot of excuses that just keep coming out with Cooper. The other one is, oh, he's, but his defence was better. I mean, you know, better from what benchmark? Um, if you watch through the game, he's still putting in a bunch of ineffectual tackles. They get marked down in the stats, um, but they're, they're still pretty bad. The, ki- the, the, the restarts, I've probably calmed down a little bit in that I'm not putting, I, I would not put it all at his door, um, but they were diabolical. And as at some stage, if you're the guy doing the restarts, at one stage you go, these aren't working. In fact, they're scoring tries off them. We might need to try something different. Um, and if you're an international 10 with a bunch of caps to your name, I think you should be able to figure that out. Um, then, uh, but I'm happy to dial back a bit on blaming all that blame at his feet for that. Um, watching through the game, he does not, apart from that little step you talk about, which is in broken play, um, from first re- uh, first receiver, he does not go forward towards the box line um, until uh, the about the 63rd minute. Um, when he receives the ball. Every single time he gets the ball, he goes sideways um, and shuffles the whole back line that way. He started to look better from about the 63rd minute on, um, and uh, the game was already lost. And then there was the whole thing about that final play um, where he took a quick tap and threw a ball to Tamua, who then did all the work to beat three guys, um, get them halfway up the field. I'll then give you that he did a, a decent kick pass. Um, my thing here, and it, it's a tough one when you do the player ratings, I will say this, it, it has made me think about it, is that are all actions equal? So, for example, his kick pass in the 77th minute, um, you know, that then, um, you know, F. Saltia scored our only try from, is that equal in impact in a game to that first try 15 minutes in? And I'd have to say no, it's not. It definitely set a tone scoring it uh giving away a try that early yeah um i mean if you're if you're an accountant you, you go that one well that was five points and yeah, yeah. this one was five points so we're, we're even but mm-hmm. you know in the last three minutes compa- compared to the first 15 minutes it's it definitely is a tone changer yeah so anyway, not a game changer but a tone changer because you know if we we're good enough we would have come back yeah so anyway on review i'd probably maybe maybe i would have dialed him up to a three um uh, and what's then- three uh, it still had a bad. Is it had a bad game? Something like that. Mm. Yeah, um, had a bad game. Uh, anyway, 
so there's the thing, and I probably would have jiggled a few other players around. Um, some of it, according to the sort of stuff you were just saying, then um, uh, Barbar as well. Um, okay, that's pretty much the game. Anything else that we want to we, we need to talk about that came out of the game uh, of the match itself? Any incidents? Anything like that? Uh, uh, really? No, just pretty depressing, wasn't it? Um, all right, I tell you what, let's get our first guy on the line. Yeah, right there, right there. Now, joining us, we've got long-time listener, first-time caller, Dan Ray. Mate, how are you? Good, thanks, mate. How are you going, guys? Um, very well, very well. We've Living been... the dream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Living the rugby dream. Um, and Jesus or is it a rugby else? nightmare? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's feeling a bit that way, mate. And I think that kind of leads us to your question, doesn't it? What is it that you wanted to have a wang about? I guess my question is... Um, when when is a fair amount of time to start to see the the Ewan McKenzie stamp applied to the Wallabies and the Wallaby setup, mm-hmm. um, game plans, maybe the staff and the structures around what he's trying to do? Okay, so is behind that question because you don't think you're seeing it? No, I, I don't think so. And it, it was interesting to hear um, uh, Rocky Elson the other week on here saying uh, how he thought McKenzie was. I guess on the physical preparation of a lot of the guys um, was, I guess, copying the uh, what's happened over the last few years. Yeah. Um, he seemed to think that that was a, a factor in what's going on at the moment. Yeah. And I guess there's a lot of other hangovers as well in terms of game plan and selections and, and who's had experience and all of those sorts of things. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, a first point then, do we all agree that I'm um, just talking to Timsey and, and bringing Hewitt and Timsey in here. Do you guys agree that we're not seeing much a link yet? This looks like the same stuff we were kind of getting served up just previous. Would you agree with that? Um, I think I, I don't think it's the same stuff we're seeing. I think it's the same results, but right. I don't think it's the same stuff. I think I think we're d- doing just a shit, but differently. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, different. Actually, I- Different shit, I disagree same with Timsey there. Mm. I disagree. I, I think oh, my that, problem that's not unusual. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, is I haven't seen anything new. I haven't seen anything that particularly makes me sit back and go, "Wow, you know that that's been coached." Mm. Um, and I know it's a tough thing, but you know, I, I think the best example I can use is what we saw this year with the Waratahs. And in their early few games, yeah, you know, they lost a couple. That they probably should have won, and they lost. You know, they had a couple of shockers, but you sat back and you go, "Well, you know, I can see that they're playing a different game, a more expansive game." And and you sit back and go, "Well, at least I can see the coaching in there." Mm. Uh, the problem at the moment I'm seeing is you just, I, I don't know, maybe I'm missing it, but I, I can't see anything particularly different. Mm. So, uh, Dan, you're, you're saying you're, you're not seeing anything? No, and I think. I think the biggest difference, I, I take Hugh's point, like the Waratahs is a good example. Um, I mean, even with McKenzie, when he took over the Reds um, in 2010, although they didn't make the finals, you, you saw some signs of life there early on. Mm. But the, the thing is, they have a whole pre-season, and, and maybe that's something that you and McKenzie have to learn is different about being a, an international coach compared to being a, a, a franchise or club coach, that you really don't get those long periods of time to, to bed down all of the philosophies and game plans and things that you like to see. Mm. Yeah. So, mate, the next bit then, I guess, is then, well, how long do we give him? Do you, do you have a, a length of time? Well, I guess, uh, I mean, if you cast across the other sort of football codes here in Australia, if you, if you think about it when um, sort of some clubs, maybe in the NRL or, or AFL have been down the bottom and have recruited a, a big name coach or, or have said we're in the, the rebuilding phase and that kind of cliche. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they talk about years and seasons, um, you know, coming good in, in two years' time or making the finals, you know, mm-hmm. in, in three or four years. Um, obviously, we've got to turn it around a lot quicker, but I think you'd have to hopefully see some of those signs we're talking about on the, uh, the spring tour. Mm. Um, to the Northern Hemisphere, but but really it's next year's rugby championship, I think, will be where it's judged, hopefully. 
Well, I mean, you know, Robbie Deans was cut down cruelly just before the eighth year of his rebuild. Um, <laughs> Timsey, what, 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 what's your take? How long, how long should we give him? Uh, I think uh, I think it was always going to be a tough ask for him to to drop into uh, rugby championship against the teams that we play against. I think that uh, I I, I kind of think that there might have been some survival going on, and it's been pretty poor if that's all it's been. But I, I kind of think that uh, he'll be targeting some big changes for the end of year tour, and then obviously leading into next year, which I, I don't even know what we've got for our home test next year. Mm. I, I actually think uh, I've got a little uh, article brewing in my mind about this, which is that, and I don't want to give away too much about a conversation we're going to have in a minute with Skip, hopefully, but um, is that, uh, you know, I think, you know, the Wallabies are out of form. And when you're out of form, you know, sometimes you just need one of these, just an easy game, or even like a bit of, you know, Batting-wise, like just a bit of backyard cricket, you know, and you, you just you middle it, you middle that tennis ball, a few sixes and out, um, but you know you're hitting it nicely, um, and you just kind of you know get back into your rhythm again. And the Wallabies don't have that anymore. I mean, you look at the year they've had, um, you know, there's been no easy, there has not been a sniff of an easy game, and there's not, and there's pretty much not gonna be. Um, uh, maybe Scotland, who has turned into our arch ne- nemesis. Um, but, you know, anyway, there's, there's no easy game anymore for them to kind of get those things back. So it's this is looking like a tough old year. And to your point there, Dan, though, if we go into next year, I mean, the TRC, again, is going to be another, you know, ball kick, ball breaker, um, as we're finding out this year. What do you reckon, uh, Hugh? What what kind of grace has he got? Or has he already passed? Yeah, look, you're dead right there. I mean, we've really missed those three mid mid-year internationals of the of a touring uh, Northern Hemisphere team that's generally a little bit underdone. Mm. And we get them, and, you know, we've dropped a couple in Reese in the last five years. But in reality, you know, you expect us to win pretty comfortably. Mm. Um, and, yeah, look, uh, the end of year tours, I don't think it's going to be uh, easy at all, especially because they're playing five tests in, in five weeks or five tests in six weeks. And, you know, at that time, they're going to be churning through players. Mm. I mean, if you're over in the you know northern hemisphere, pack your boots because you know they they're going to be going down like flies. Yeah. Um. So yeah, look, it, no one. I, I think everyone's still giving Mackenzie a bit of time and understanding how tough it is. Mm. Um. But I, I just would love to see just a tiny bit more than what we're getting. Mm. Um. I think so. I'm sort of torn torn between the two camps. So uh, the so James Stevenson on Twitter. Um, says, uh, you know, ask the co- question about have we got the right setup and assistant coaches? Um, I mean, you you talked in, no it, Dan in, in your piece there about you know the the, the McKenzie setup. Do you think he's got what he needs? No, no I I think he's there, there's still a couple of of changes to be made, and and I'm not sure what happened at the Reds um, with him and and Matty Taylor. Mm. Um, I, I know Matt went. Has had a big connection with Scotland, and um, so he's gone over there to sort of pursue a, a head role rather than being an assistant, which is fair enough. But I hope that um, he might be still be able to be called on because I, I said it watching the Reds uh, earlier this season. I said they're missing missing that defensive starch that have been the, the hallmark, mm. um, despite them being the entertainers of 2011, etc. It was really their defence that was led to so much of their attack and uh, he was behind that and um, I'd like to see a defensive specialist brought into that setup. Yeah, Matt's defensive style lends itself very well to a quick transition between defence and attack mm. uh, and uh, yeah, I, having, having the dream team back together again wouldn't be too bad. But <laughs> The dream sure. team vomits. <laughs> I don't know about you, no, mate. Look- I don't know about you but I've drunk a cup that they've earned so... <laughs> It, to me, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're drinking more than just the cup, the Queensland Cup there. You, um, but my <laughs> point is, I mean, assistant coaches, it's always hard because mm. uh, uh, you don't know quite what happens behind the scenes. You don't know, you know, who's running what. You don't know whether, you know, the, uh, you know, the attack coach Scrivener or whatever Scrivener does, he seems to jump from role to role. But, you know, whether he's a real genius behind the scenes and the players just can't implement what he's doing. Um you know, you don't. I, I struggle to comment. And the same thing it goes with the set, the scrum coach. You know, it seems just to be a, 
you know, Australia hasn't had a dominant scrum for 15 years, and yet, you know, we seem to keep thinking the answers to find a different scrum coach. Well, you know, I, I think the evidence so far is that it seems that no one can get our scrum consistently performing. Um, so I'm not, I'm not quite sure that throwing another name in there is going to change anything. Mm. So that's that's the that's the problem with assistant coaches. You seem to think that sweeping the decks and putting a few new bikes in might might help it, and it might. But at the same time, it's hard to know from outside the tent. I think there was a, it was very late that he took over, and he, he obviously couldn't change all the staff. He's uh he's been able to bring in uh, Jim, but nothing else has been able to be changed. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out because I mean we spoke to him the other week; he didn't give much away. Well, I mean, I, I think that was the thing that we were all thinking, though, right? That Jim Mackay would probably have been the the big one. Um, yeah. You know, we wanted to see that, you know, attacking spark that, you know, the Reds had and, you know, Genia and and Cooper in the team. Uh, you got Jim Mackay, you got Link. I mean, you know, what more do you want um, sort of thing? And I guess that's the bit that we're all kind of scratching our head at. Um, interestingly enough, though, I mean, you know, the Reds, we said, you know, don't get me wrong, Tatsy did a great job, but I mean the Reds had one of the most miserly defences in terms of tries this season, I think, in almost the whole Super Rugby. I think it was only the Stormers who's was was better. Um, so whoever was doing it was it was it Woody? Um, you know, Woody, yeah, Woody was working defence. Um, wasn't doing such a bad job. Um, so yeah, it's kind of hard to know just how much more the assistants can bring in. And, and uh, you know, talking to Link last week, he doesn't seem to think that that's going to be a, 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 a you know, direction he's going to be going in anyway. Um, and you can have the best coaching in the world, but ultimately if Quay Cooper's still going to go for an intercept on the trial line. Mm. There's not much that is the going to do about that. Yeah. So we're, d- not, we're not still talking about that. Though. Oh, man, we've, <laughs> we've, we already, we've already talked about it. Um, to <laughs> finish off, Dan, tell me, mate, what... Give me your Cooper take. What would have you given him on the on the weekend? I'd have given him a, uh, a five and a half. A five and a half. Which part of Queensland are you calling from? That's a that's a, that's a very accurate rating there. I think, uh, I, think <laughs> I said between five and six. So yeah. Oh my god! Alrighty. Yeah, you know what? You know what was really interesting about the the ratings is is I was going to go and and talk about the other end because I thought Kuradrani was really poor. Mm. And, and he got he got the man of the match. So yeah. perceptions are, this are is, funny things. They are. So yeah. this, this is what we've been doing for the last hour and a half. Matt's just been ringing up, ringing up people and asking what they would have given Cooper on the weekend, <laughs> <laughs> shaking his head in disgust. I'm I'm still trying to find someone who would have given him a two, but it's I'm, I'm, I think I'm gonna be looking for a long time. Um, have you got a mirror? Have you got a mirror there, Matt? <laughs> of course, <laughs> always nearby, always nearby, um, mate. Great to have you on. Thanks for that. Um, we'll have to uh, get you on again sometime. All right. Thanks, guys. Right there, right there. So joining us now, now, is it all the way from Finland? Is I am, yes. It's Skip. Mate, how are you? Good, yeah. Just at the uh, front end of winter up here. Yeah. Oh, geez. Now, um, people who regular readers will know Skip in that he's um, he's done a few things for us as far as, you know, looking into um, finances and things like that. So a couple of great articles. Um, but, mate, what's got you rolled up? What do, what do you want to kind of have a bit of a wang about tonight? Well, it's the attitude of the, of the team, particularly in the first half. It's been a noticeable trend, certainly since that final bloodbath against the Lions, um, that they only really get fired up and get the, the required mongrel and an attitude after the game is long gone. And, it almost seems as if the opposition front five start giving them a sledge saying, you know, you guys are men against boys or whatever it is, and mm-hmm. then they start getting fired up and the basics that players at that level should have start coming. Mm-hmm. Their position, their body positioning in the tackle gets a bit better. They they get a leg drive going in the tackle. They they start hitting some rucks with a bit more venom and the the second half seems to go a little bit better or the last 30 minutes seem to go a bit better and the the, the risk of copying another 50-point hiding drops off a wee bit, but by that stage, the game is lost. and it's, It seems as much an attitude as it, as it does, um, as it does a, a coach as a sort of skill level thing, and I'm just wondering what it is that Link can do to, to, try, to try to reverse it. I mean, what's going on in the week that, mm. that come the day of the races, they're pulling on the green and gold jersey, going out there in front of 50,000 people and just playing like they don't care for, for, for 30 minutes, and then the game's gone, and then mm. they think, oh, you know, shit, we've got to do something now. 
Mm. Well, it's undeniable there's a pattern here, right? So we, when we talked to Link last week, we said, uh, you know, there's this 20 minute, well, there's a 10 minute point at the front where they seem to give away really easy points. Then they kind of fight their way back for a little while. But then what definitely happens is in like the middle 20 of the second half, it all goes to crap. And then they go and score some more points again. Um, it's an, it's an interesting point, this one. I'm going to jump in here because I actually think, and I've got a little article brewing in me, that I think this is the key thing wrong at the moment with the world. I mean, everyone's got something they're pointing at, right? It's the coach, it's the assistant coaches, it's the it's the players, it's this or that. I really think that the Wallabies kind of mentally, I think they are shot. I think they, mm. I think their confidence is absolutely through the floor. I think this, one of the things that we forget about is, you know. And, and I'll go back, and because the other bit this ties into is people talking about, you know, is Link the right the right coach? Um, you know, what sort of a job is he doing? Um, you know, and a few people kind of. So I think Alan Grouse uh, on uh, on Facebook actually asked this one. I think, you know, is is he now the right thing for the job? My thing is, I don't think we 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 can know at the moment because I think we're still work working through a mental legacy of of the Dean's era, which has then been absolutely hit a car crash in these last games we've had, because I think, you know, for the last two years, we've stopped playing like the Wallabies used to play. We started playing this game where at most we can score one try. Um, and then we came into this year into the biggest um, set of tests that we have, you know, every 12 years and we lose. Um, and you, you, you look, if you want to know what that meant to the players, you look at James Hall when we won the second one, you know, how he burst into tears. So I don't think we can underestimate the impact that losing those had on that group. And they've basically, they went through the floor because they've, they've stuffed up, they've lost a legacy. And then they go into the rugby championship playing a, a, one of the best all black sides ever, a Springbok side that's now scored 25 tries already this year. And the Argies who are just ripe for a win and, and a number three in the world. And they haven't had, and we were just talking about this in the previous thing, they just haven't had anyone to get some go forward with. And I just think they are mentally absolutely shot. And so, so this is a long-winded way of answering your question, which is I think the reason why they can play in the last 10 minutes is because it doesn't matter anymore. You know, the game's lost. And all of a sudden, you know, for example, Quake Cooper can throw a, a pass behind the goal line and they can do kick passes and they can do X and Y because, hey, you know, there's nothing to lose here. Um, and it's just, it's bizarre that that's the only time that can happen. Um, you know, anyway, Timsey, Hugh, am I, am I dreaming or are you, you seeing the same thing? No, look, uh, it's rare that I say this, Matt, but you're dead right. Mm. Um, you know, the confidence is clearly shot. Um, and you're right, after that, that third British Lions test where they completely bottled it, and that's the thing, it wasn't like they lost in the last minute, you know, it wasn't like yeah. it was a half-penny penalty after the siren. You know, they absolutely they bottled it, and they just haven't had that, as we talk, spoke about before, before Skip came on, they just haven't had that easy couple of tests to get a bit of confidence back. And so, you know, the, the last couple of tests, especially the one in South Africa, that last 10, 15 minutes showed they can do it when they start to throw the ball around. Mm. Um, but in when the game's on the line, they just are so afraid of what's going to happen. And, you know, you go back and look at some of those highlights of 2010 where we're scoring tries in the 10th minute. We're throwing, you know, long double cutouts to blokes running flat lines and it's, it's all razzle-dazzle. You know, it's hard to believe that these are the same players, but they've just been, you know, seemingly reduced to a shadow of their former selves. Timsey, yeah, what, what do you reckon? It's a, it's a tough one. Clearly, they are uh, not quite thinking straight, but I don't know how you change it. Get a sports psychologist. Apparently, the All Blacks have one. Yeah, well, they've only had had him since the turn of the century. Back to you, Skip. I mean, have you, have you got any ideas on this? Is it is it coachable? Is it attitude? What is it? Um, it's it's got to be the attitude. And you know, I wish we could can whatever it is that Big Kev Hall has that makes him burst into tears when he wins a game like that because that's really the sort of passion that, that needs to, to be shown across 80 minutes and wanting to smash into every ruck that, that's there rather than, you know, just trundle across and, you know, maybe not not go that extra yard that, that the guy in black or in, in dark green is going to be doing. And the scary thing to me at the moment is, is I, I don't see a, a sort of easy test coming up to, 
to get the guys in that right headspace. I think the, the, the five sides they're playing on the Northern Tour is it this, this coming Australian spring yeah. must be all rubbing their hands together. And, and I would think especially the Italians because they've been pretty close to knocking. I mean, they've, they've pushed over France on their home paddock and they must be thinking, you know, if we can get this game into a scrum fest, we've got these blokes. I mean, it can happen. I mean, I was pessimistic before the 2011 Bris Vegas test and they just came firing out of that that. that that game and, and smashed into every ruck. So mm-hmm. I think maybe one one test like that, and you know we'll all be saying, "Hey, yeah, that's what we've been waiting for, and there's no more problems." So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, mate. Well, I mean, you know, and you've, you're trying to follow it up there in in, in Finland. Um, how is the rugby scene <laughs> where, uh, where you technically, are? Technically, Finland, according to the IRB rankings, are the worst international team in the world. Uh, um, that's which, fantastic. Which is a, there is somebody yeah. worse. <laughs> Yeah, there is. I think they have 35. Can, something can we like organise that. a Wallabies Finland test? I actually used six tests. I actually used to work with a guy that was the regular starting lock for uh, the Finnish national rugby team. He's got 30 odd caps and a, and a big old boy, actually. Mm. Um, obviously, it's played in the summer. And I think there's there's quite a well known tournament up in uh, the very northern part of Finland, which is the Arctic Rugby Tournament. That is when there's 24 hours of daylight. There's a, quite an active scene. Oh, yeah, I, I actually think that um, we, uh, we we got an invite the other week for a tournament up there the that Mud- was played the, at night. The Mudchooks did, The Mudchooks, yeah. oh, right, yeah. She yeah, got... we, were, we were talking about uh, having a crack at that. I can't remember if it was Finland or somewhere else, but uh, it was the, the overnight one. Mm. Well, is, it worth, is it worth talking to the ARU to try and redefine the Grand Slam as instead of sort of your British Isles, you make it Scandinavia? So, you know, Norway, Sweden, yeah. Finland, and then maybe, you know, Iceland maybe even we can throw a game in there. Grand sham. Yeah. But just before we say these things, we need to check out Finland's average try scoring per Well, if, you could knock off, if, we could, if we could knock off Lithuania, that would be quite a scalp because they've actually got the longest winning record in rugby history. I think they won 21 games on the bounce or something. Right. Yeah, and they've got us be- to Beating that cherished record uh, that the uh, box have. Yeah, well, they, they'd be very grateful to us, the Lithuanians, because we stopped the Kiwis short of the record. Yeah. Quite regularly, exactly. yeah. yeah. <laughs> All righty, well, look, let's get, <laughs> mate, good, good to talk to you. Good to catch up with you again. No, thanks for having me No worries, mate. Speak to you later. Yeah, right there, right there. Right, our final dial-in member for tonight is a uh, long-time... Uh, Servant of the site um, and Brumby Tragic is uh, Brumby Jack or Steve, mate. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. Good to have you on. Um, also, new father. How's that going? Pretty good. Yeah. Able to get up in the middle of the night to watch certain games. <laughs> yeah. You have no sleeping patterns, so it's easy, right? Yeah, it's pretty random at the moment. <laughs> um, so, mate, look. Th- Reason we've got you on here because obviously you're you are our man in the know down there in Canberra, and obviously things have been kicking off down there. You guys, it's got interesting. Um, so I can't even remember which day it was. What back end of last week? All of a sudden, Jake White, White just uh, kind of dialed in from South Africa and said, um, "See you, boats. I'm out of here." Yeah, it, it's been a week now, which has gone pretty quickly, and uh, the, the news was a big shock to everybody. Um, I'm I knew he was in South Africa, as he normally is at this time of year in the off-season, mm. uh, with pre-season about two or three, two or so weeks away. Uh, it came as a big shock because it, you know, we had all this business at the beginning of last season with him possibly going to England or some other country to coach uh, and obviously taking them to the grand final this year. It, it seemed everything would be fine moving into next year. Mm-hmm. And then, and then he, you know, he just dropped the bomb that uh, he wanted out. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. So, I mean, if, if you were taken by surprise by it, then I, I think absolutely everyone must have been. Um, it was even interesting. Some the, even some of the players, I think. Yeah. Very surprising. Well, in, indeed. So, and what are the reasons here? I mean, it's there's, there's a whole, I mean, I think there's probably a couple that are out there. Uh, is, is it got any, you got any closer to kind of knowing why? Uh, well, as publicly as he stated, it's pretty much all over missing out on the Wallabies job. Mm. Uh, there is also the issue of uh, a family issue. Um, you know, he has pretty much left uh, his, some children, well, not children, but um, his kids, I guess. Mm. Aren't they old, are they? Yeah, uh, I think 
late teens, early 20s. But um, So I think he wanted to head back to South Africa and uh, spend some more time with them, which seems a bit interesting because um, if he wanted the Wallabies job, I would have thought he'd be you know, in Australia a bit longer. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, but being the Wallabies, if he, if he got the Wallabies job, he wouldn't, probably would have been seeing his family a lot less, eh? Um, yeah. Alrighty. So, I mean, you know, there's the family thing and, and no doubt, but I, I guess in a way there would have been a balance there, right? Which was, you know, well, I can probably put up with a bit more travel if uh, if I'm kind of getting what I really want is is really what, you know, what was going on there. I mean, Hugh, I mean, I know you, you wrote a piece about this which got people talking, um, you know, where are you now? Are you feeling any better about it or is it still just all sat there festering in a corner? It's festering and the reason why is Jake White continues to be cagey and silent about it. Um, mm. You know, if he just got out in front of the cameras and said, this is why I left, yeah. he'd put it all to bed. Mm. But the fact remains that he hasn't and the longer that it goes without him doing it, the more I start to believe it's him throwing a tantrum because he missed the Wallabies job and becomes less and less about family. And yeah. you're more, you know, what you would call an honourable uh, reasons for leaving. Mm. It, I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the more we go without an explanation, the more I've got to think that, you know, um, the reason why he's leaving is just some spat because the ARU supposedly led him along, and he got, you know, he got his fingers burnt by, by the process. And you know, that, that's not um, unfortunately. And you know, I think it was Clyde Rathbone that says it. That's not a good enough excuse. I'm, I'm I'm afraid that's just the big, big bad world of coaching, and sometimes that stuff happens. Mm. Um, but you know that seems. But in the end, look, he's laid the foundations for for what should be a really good, uh, extended period of dominance by the Brumbies. But it still leaves a sour taste in the mouth the way he's done it. Yeah. Um, it was also kind of bizarre how it broke. So, I mean, didn't it break on Twitter? That's where I saw it. I had a, a text from someone who had seen it. Because I was about to turn in for the night, and then all of a sudden it was about eight thirty-ish, I think, and then it just snowballed from there to he had sort of released, and then it was granted. So it, it had been so that was on the Wednesday, and apparently on the Friday he'd um, approached um, Brumby's management to to seek the release, and I think they were trying to work through um, keep getting him to stay. So it, it moved pretty quickly from that point. Hmm. I must be because that tweet that you're talking about that was was that from Alana Smith? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is the Sky Sports kind of anchor reporter? Yeah, Fox um, Sports, yeah. But is also the new girlfriend of Andrew Fagan, right? Uh, yeah, that, I think I believe that. Well, that, I mean, that, I think that's pretty open now. I think they there's pictures on Instagram and Twitter and whatnot. So anyway, I thought that was a pretty interesting way for the story to break. Um, and if I was, well, I could imagine some people having their nose out of joint um, for, for that breaking that way. Um, so, Jake, I mean, I think one of the things everyone's talking about, though, is how can you have a four-year contract which you can just tear up after two years? So this is going to have, like, uh, some ramifications for Jake, I should imagine. Yeah, well, by his own admission, the four-year plan that he had in place has happened a lot quicker than he expected. So he probably feels that... It, He's taken them to a point where he can hand it over to one of the assistants, and um, they've made it. The Brumbies have said it'll it'll either be Stephen Larkham or Laurie Fisher. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's probably too late, and I don't know if there's any any coaches out there um, that they could get at this late stage because you know, the European season is is going already. So I can't see anyone coming from up there. Um, and obviously only two weeks till pre-season starts. So he obviously feels that there's been enough planning for the next season, and if they were to bring in someone else, there would be too much of a disruption. And also we've got, well, they've got um, you know, half a dozen players away with Wallabies duty, and if they'll be on the end of year tour. So they won't be back until uh, January, I believe, once they have their end-of-season break. It'd be, it'd be too not enough time to change things before the next season. Right. So there's a bit of honor. So there you go, Hugh. There's a bit of honour in there. He's given them a little bit. At least he's given them a bit of time, eh? Oh, he's given them two years' notice. That's fantastic. He's, he's gotten out two years early. Yeah. Given them so much time. Yeah. But this. Uh, but it sounds like this is going to cost him some money, though, right? Yeah. Apparently, there is a, uh, a clause in there, uh, a non non compete clause. I think it is of eighteen months. So, I think. Or from what I gather, they're trying to work through something there because, um, as quiet as as Jake has been 
with the Australian media, he has written some articles and and spoken to South African media and expressed his desire to either be with the the Sharks or the Storm, Western Province Stormers um, at some stage in the That's, future. It's pronounced Sharks, isn't it? It's not. Oh, sorry, sh- yeah. Sharks too. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I like to use the local pronunciation. Yeah. Um, and we are quite culturally sensitive on, on this podcast. Um, Tim's, you sound a bit restless there, mate. You right? I it just I don't think there's anything wrong with him breaking the contract. I don't mm. think that's the issue at all. I think that uh, if I was at work and I didn't like it there and I wanted to leave, then you know, four year contract, so be it. You know there'll be some issues. I don't, I don't see there's any value in holding him to the non-compete clause. But uh, you know, I'm obviously not doing these deals. So uh, yeah, if if someone doesn't want to be there, they don't want to be there. There's no point keeping them there. There's no point uh, getting all upset about this. The timing sucks, but that's the way things work. And I, I think that they'll they'll probably end up using Steve Larkham, and and he'll do all right. Mate, you are just a legal renegade, aren't you? I know. The law, laws do not apply to you. Did you well, did you, did you mention this to the to your uh, mortgage guy that you were talking to before this before the podcast? Post- yeah, yeah, I did. Actually, contracts uh, mean nothing to me. Contracts mean nothing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, they, they, it's not that. It's just yeah. you know you, you're you're obviously in a, a high performance industry, and. We we are constantly banging on about passion and you know that sort of stuff. And if someone doesn't want to be there, there's no point keeping them there. Mm. Well, so, you know, I'm starting now to doubt, Timsy, that contract you signed with Green and Gold Rugby, that six year contract, mm. you know, you signed about a month ago with us. I'm starting now to doubt that whether you were yeah. sincere in your desire to stay with us. Mate, I'll, I'll sign I'll, anything. I'm just reaching. I'm just just checking to see I've got it. You is there um, a cost of living yeah. allowance in there? Yeah, I. I th- <laughs> It was late one night at the Caxton. I thought that he'd, he'd signed it. I'm just checking it. Now. It was on the back of that napkin, wasn't it? Yeah. That's where all the best work's done. Exactly. That's how the Rebels came to light. Um, so what? who's next then? Um, if, now he's gone. Um, it, is it a two-horse race? Yeah. Horse. <laughs> I don't know. Pardon me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's between uh, Larkham and Fisher at this stage. Uh, there is a... a Subcommittee has been formed. Oh, to... you know it's serious when there's a subcommittee. Yeah. Ooh. So the, there is talk it could take up to a month to be dealt with because uh, Pat Howard, who's with Cricket Australia, is is possibly going to be involved, and the uh, Australian cricket team are heading off to India uh, this month, so he may have to go over there. So that may delay things, but um, I think they're, they're, they're prepared to start the preseason uh, without. Because he's not busy enough, is he? No, no. Well, no yeah, I love as long as he doesn't one. implement uh, rotation policy, so <laughs> yeah. Laurie one week so, and Steve the next. That's the happen. logic of saying, we need a selection panel to find a new coach. What sport in Australia is going really well that we want to be a part of? Oh, that's right, cricket. Let's get those guys in. They'll really take us to the next level. Is, it, is Pat on the board? Is that, is that the situation? Or? Um, no, I think he's just because he's uh, an ex-Brumbies. They just wanted to get someone who... And he's also in that high performance area environment, at least. Right, yeah. So he may understand some of the um, the issues to work through. Uh, the other people on there are, are Brett Robinson, you know, the founding captain, mm-hmm. and um, also uh, the CEO and the chairman of the board. Well, look, I think we should record here and maybe submit this to the subcommittee, um, or maybe a subcommittee of the subcommittee to consider it. But um, so, who do we reckon, um, Hugh? Out of the two, who would you throw in? Oh look, I yeah, I, th- I think it's much of a muchness. I-, I think I'd probably go with Laurie Fisher just because he's got the experience. Um, and after the last year, I think throwing in an in- inexperienced coach might risk um, losing a bit of that momentum that you had mm. um, in a grand after getting to a grand final. And maybe you you have Fisher for one year and you say Bernie's got it in in the year after that. And you kind of oh, get Fisher it is a rotation mental. rotation policy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look, I mean, if you really want to be serious, the coach I'd put in, I mean, going with their success of ex-Springboks coaches is Peter de Villiers. I think he's the natural <laughs> choice. But, well, yeah. Rob, Robbie Deans is available. Come on. Um, he's too. Is, I mean, is, is, that, is that who you're going to say, Timsey? Would it be Deans? Yeah, that's that who I was going to say. You know, he's too, mm. good to, too good a resource to lose to Australian rugby, so let's, uh, <laughs> let's keep him going. At least you know he'll stick around. <laughs> He won't be able to get rid of the basket. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, and, yeah, BJ, who's your tip? Who's, who's going to get it? Uh, yeah, well, well, 
Jake's plan was to have Larkham step in at the end of the of the four years, so you know he's, he's he could have the inside running there. I'm not sure, but you know, oh, Laurie yeah. Laurie's been there before, um, and he's a family friend of ours. So he, he was there from 05 to 08. So you know he's been there before. He's gone offshore and gained some extra experience. Maybe that will help him over the line. It'd be good oh. to see. But I, I I'm not fussed either way. You know, they're oh. both local players or um, have been you know, ACT players in the past, so um, I don't mind either way. Right. See, yeah, on a serious I... note for a second, can I pro- propose something? I mean, we, we do joke about it, but hypothetically, and I know it's not going to happen, but in a hypothetical world, if Robbie Deans agreed to coach the Brumbies or the Rebels or the Waratahs you know, or the Reds or whoever, yeah. do, you re- do you think that that announcement would be greeted with derision or do you think people would look at his record as a super coach, his references of his record as a provincial coach, and say, you know, that was outstanding. And his results, and as an international coach, he wasn't terrible. You know, the the recent few tests have maybe painted his record in a better light. So, I mean, do you, I mean, because it's he does have a sensational provincial record. Mm. I think people would go fucking mental, but I uh, would. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to start enable the second server for all the comments. <laughs> oh yeah, please make it happen. Let's let's start lobbying for it. Um, that would be talking points forever. Uh, well, he's, he, seriously, his name has been thrown out there, but uh, I think that's just to um. Wasn't that by Kiwi Journo or something? Yeah, probably. He's, yeah. What's that dickhead's name? <laughs> Chris Ratui. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, I, That'll I'm, do. Yeah, I, I think I've just got myself into a into a yeah. lawsuit there. Um, yes, I, I, I deliberately I, didn't know who I was talking about. We can put that on the other the other couple that we've chalked up tonight. So yeah. we'll make it a class action. Yeah. Um, so, mate, the other piece of news that's been happening in Brumbyland because it's so interesting in Canberra is uh, Ben Moen. So, you know, what's the story there? Uh, uh, apparently, he rang his agent up and said, "Show me the money," and it's all snowballed from there. Yeah, on the flight over, they must have watched Jerry Maguire. I don't know. <laughs> no, but um, it's an interesting one. I think, you know, he's he's been around. He's obviously filled in this season at the Wallabies with the injuries to Higginbotham and Palu. And he's, he's done it's quite well. It's interesting that you say filled in and not just uh, earned his well, spot. Well, he was in the around the Wallabies squads last year. He didn't actually get on the field. Um, so... I'm not quite sure where this one will go. I'm not. I'm, I don't know if it's a, it's a dig at some other players who have you know been on the scene five minutes and have been promised a lot more and delivered the, not as much as they said they would. I'm not quite sure. I think this one will just blow over. It's just maybe a, a five minute issue that has been dealt with. Yeah. I feel for Ben. I feel for Ben Moen in this because the original story read to me like a classic agent to journalist conversation that didn't involve Ben Moen at all. And then yep. the next conversation smacked of a Ben Moen to journalist conversation, basically saying, "Don't listen to my agent; he's talking rubbish." Hmm. Because fancy, fancy, you know, just breaking onto the scene like Moen has, and then walking off it to a foreign club. I mean, that, that, that's just rubbish. And as someone pointed out, if he plays every test this year, ARU top up or not, he's still chalking up two hundred thousand dollars. So you know, it's it's a pretty handy pay packet. Yeah, well, you know, cost of living allowance down here, we need it. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, it was also, I mean, it's just, you know, it was like from the James O'Connor School of PR, wasn't it? Um, yeah. You know, which is that, you know. He does have a brand to look after. Yeah, well, you know, having been, you know, five out of the six tests you've played, the Wallabies have lost, um, and, you're, and you're looking for your top up. But, um, and which I think is harsh on the guy, but I mean, as far as where the Wallabies are at the moment, it's not exactly, you know, uh, a great time. And I felt sorry for the guy. Moen always seems to have been at the back wrong end of these things as well, right? He got kind of left out by the Tars and there was some bad negotiation that went on there and da 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 da. And it, it, the poor guy just, it always, that always seems to have had to him. You must be thinking, what have I done wrong? But um, yeah, I agree with you, Hugh. That um, didn't go very well, did it? Um, no. Right. Look, I think we've we, I, I think we've pretty much exhausted Australian rugby tonight. Is there anything left to talk about? I think I think we've done it. We got a game next week in Argentina. Yeah, Rosario. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a, it's a very different. There's interesting. I think it was uh, Paul Cully from the Fairfax um, tweeted about. There's like two players um, in, in this. It, there's only was it only two players from the back line, or is it, um, none from the back line? None yeah. from none from the back line who were the same that won last year. Last time, um, so I'll yeah. read you the 
I'll read you the backline from last year. It's an interesting one. Mm. So, uh, backline was Phipps, Beal, Yuani, McCabe, Tapawai, Cummins, Harris. Oh, shit. So, of those, not only are they not, I mean, Phipps isn't even on the tour, Beal's injured, Digby's in France, McCabe's injured, Ben Tapawai's not in favour, Harris not in favour, Cummins is, and Cummins is injured. So, Jeez, look at and that. the pack was Slipper, TPN, Alexander, Douglas Sharp, Tamani, Hooper, Samo. So really, there's only two there that mm-hmm. are potentially going to be running out. So there you go. Just shows the fantastic depth of Australian rugby. Mm. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so we've got that to look forward to. Uh, anyone know what time in the morning that would happen to be on? Uh, or when I mean, is it? Is it eight o'clock? Say eight. There'll be daylight saving shenanigans going on. So I don't oh. know what the hell's going so, on. Oh, we can sleep in down here then. You can't. Oh, it's uh, oh nine. Don't call me that. Oh nine forty. I can confirm. Um, oh forty. Yeah, A E S T. That's breakfast. No, though. is that A S T or A S A D T? A E S T. Oh well, that's Brisbane time. Um, which is, well, is the same at the moment, isn't it? Has it has yeah, it, yeah right. same at the moment, but you guys will move an hour ahead, so it'll be 10.40. When does that happen? Is that this weekend? Yeah, Sunday. Yeah. Sunday, yeah. 2 a.m. Oh, I, wow, okay, there you go. Um, alrighty, so there you go. So there's another game to watch. <laughs> um, oh, okay, let's go through. Who's, who's tipping who? Um, I won't go through. Well, be... Okay. Tim's, I think someone's just shouted bullshit in the background. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Hugh. Yeah, I'm, I'm going. Uh, I'm going Argentina here. I think this is uh, their best chance ever to win a game. If they front up. If they front up. They'll win it. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, yeah, tipping with the head this week. How can they the get their head straight if you don't have any belief? <laughs> this is the thing, though. This is the thing. The one week I tip against them, watch them. Watch them come out and prove me wrong. I win by 30. And then you'll be thanking As you said that, Hugh, I, I just saw like a, a hotel chair go through a TV in the Wallabies, in the Wallabies Hotel. Hugh Carvel! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Can't believe it. Can't believe it. BJ, where, where, are, uh, where are you with this one, mate? We're going to win by multiple of three, I imagine. <gasps> okay, multiple of three. So 27, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Sounds about right. Um, You know, I'm going to have to go with Bob Dwyer on this one. I I don't see how we win it. Uh, It's the ref's fault. (laughs) Yeah, and and, and Queenslanders aren't good at rugby. Um, (laughs) uh, But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I I think this is going to be a toughie. This is going to be really tough. And, ah. you know, we talked about the mental fragility earlier on. This is really, really going to test it. So, anyway, if they, but having said all that, right? Can you imagine if they if they middle it, if they manage to score like two tries in the first half, and you know, you know, get close to you know thirty points in a game or something like that, it could just turn it around, right? That could be the thing that could take us into the tour and da da da, and before you know it, we're away. Living the dream. Dare to dream. Humping. Dare to dream. Um, but uh, in truth, they'll get their eyes burnt out with green lasers and and be and be rudderless. Um, all right, guys, I think that's it. Thanks for joining. Thanks, BJ. Thanks for coming on, mate. It's all right. No worries. Good to talk to you. Um, and uh, Hugh and Timsey, thanks, mate. Thanks, boys. Good crack. Good yeah, we will. Yeah, who needs these bloody? Wallabies coaches and stuff like that to come on, yeah. Um, and uh, thanks everybody for listening and downloading and all the rest of it. Good to have you. And and, and thanks for agreeing with me on my rating of Quade Cooper as well, everybody. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, <laughs> and um, we'll see you next week. See ya, bye. See ya. Bye.